talked about a heart divided. That's what we're going to share today. So in this series, we're just kind of going along 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to talk a little bit about our heart, okay? And a couple of years ago, I had to go, I don't know if you ever had any heart tests. Uh, it, it can be a bit of a nervous uh, meeting, you know what I'm talking about? Like, so I was having some problems a couple of years ago, and I know what it was. You know, I was telling the doctor, I wasn't feeling good. This is hurting, this is hurting, and you know, yada, yada, yada. And so he says, well, I think we need to go check your heart. Man, when they say that, that kind of gets your attention. I don't know if it gets your attention or not. Probably don't if you're under 20. But like, <clears throat> you know, Big Macs, Quarter Pounders, all that kind of stuff. Eventually, when you hear the word, let's check your heart, you think, oh, maybe I should have cut out the supersize back in the day, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe I should uh so I thought about that extra piece of cake or pie. You know, stuff goes through your brain. I'm just being honest. So I go in there, and they put me on this test, and what they're doing is they're trying to see the, the strength of your heart. And so they go in there, and they clip all these things on you. look like the Terminator. All these wires and stuff are hooked up to you everywhere. And then they say, run. And I don't run anyway. I mean, I brought tennis shoes for the thing. They said, come ready. You're going to run for a while. And so they put you on this machine, and it's called a treadmill. I don't use them, but it's called a treadmill because you know what they are. You run on this treadmill, and it's just in pace like this the whole time. And you're running, running. There, we need you to run a little more. Like, yo, man, I'm done running a mile or two. I'm like, I'm, you know where I'm going? Like, Are you sure something's wrong with your heart? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here. You're the testing people, like, right? You're supposed to tell me. Are we done? Like, I need you to run some more. I gotta get your heart rate up. Like, apparently, my heart was in such great shape. It was, it was having a hard time getting me to, you know, I guess I was a little more active than what they thought. So all you little runners in here, just they, you know, back off. You know what I'm saying? So. I get finished and they lay you down on the stool and say, all right, be very still, we're going to check your heart. They put it on the machine, you hear, and you watch it, all this stuff like that. They look at it for a while, they push this, test that, and all. They get done and say, okay, we'll give it to your doctor and let you know. I'm like, I don't get to know. Now you got to go back and talk to your doctor. So the whole time, I'm like, well, is it good? Is it bad? How am I doing? They said, look, don't worry. If anything was wrong, you're here at the hospital, we'd take care of you. <laughs> so I'm good to go? Like, well, yeah, you're fine to leave. You're okay. If anything was wrong, we'd let you know. Okay, all right. So everything was clean. Everything was great, though. My heart was fine. Everything, I mean, totally fine. They said, man, you got, you got a great heart. Everything was great on that screen. I'm like, then why is all this stuff going on? Why do I feel like I do then? It was, it was not my heart. And so one of the things um, he began to talk to me about was kind of a perfect storm in my life a little bit uh, a couple years back was where our home got hit really hard with, with you know, flood and stuff like that. So we was out of our home. That combined with trying to get it fixed, it was unreal, the process with all of that, with long story. My grandfather was also sick, so it was kind of it was a new territory for me. Someone really close to me that <clears throat> was fighting with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. And things. It was just the early stage. It was just weird stuff going on as time was going on. And on top of that, we was building a church building, trying to get into here. This was behind in time. It was, you know, over budget, behind in time. It was just everything all at once. Home life, church life, per everything just hit all at once. And he said, basically, look, man, it's just stuff around you. Your heart's fine, but you're not. Like, you know, you, you need to go do something, like go play golf or something like that. You know, it's really cool when your doctor and your wife says you should go play golf, you know? That is a wonderful day, you know? But nonetheless, I didn't really listen to either one of them because I, I felt so burdened by everything going on, I felt like I had to finish what I was doing. Worst thing you could do is try to keep pushing through when you need to stop. Your heart will tell you certain things, physically and spiritually, and in life... When your heart's put under stress, it can fool you. It can make you think things are wrong. They really aren't wrong. It's God's way of telling you, hey, yo, stop. Chill out. Everything's going to be all right. In Jamaica, they would say, everything's going to be all right, man. That just means it's all right. You know? 
Now, maybe that's because I was up with Bob Marley. I don't know what's up. Maybe it's kind of some of that music, some of that stuff over there. I don't know why there's out of you, but everything is going to be out of you, okay? So, God, I think sometimes letting us know, hey, calm down. Relax. And all of a sudden, life, we have choices that we make. It's choosing the right choice is what's needed. And no matter what choice you make, there's always going to be some pain involved. If you choose to keep pushing through, there'll be pain there. If you choose to stop for a little bit to regroup, there might be some pain there. It's kind of like my kids, you know, with Band-Aids. I don't know if experience the stuff with the Band-Aids with the children, but, like, my littlest one, like, we, she has a boob and she wants a Band-Aid. She's got to have a Band-Aid for everything, which is wonderful putting the thing on, isn't it? It's taking it off is what is so painful. It wouldn't be if they'd let you take it off the next day. No, no, no. They want to leave it on. No, don't touch it. Don't touch it. By four or five days, that thing's growing into the skin, you know? You've got to take the Band-Aid off. But no one wants to do it because that's going to be painful. It's going to be more painful, though, if we don't take care of it and let the wound heal. So Jesus says, listen to what he says. John chapter 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This New Living Translation, I'll put it on the screen for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So that, just that statement alone, Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, that means then you and I have control over allowing our hearts to be troubled or not troubled. It's in our, it's in our court. It's our, it's our responsibility. Trust in God. And also, he says, trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. In this world, there is enough, is it not, to be concerned and cause for trouble in your heart. All you've got to do, people ask, why don't you watch the news? I'll tell you why. Go watch it for five minutes. You'll get real concerned. Like, I'm not kidding. Fifteen days into the government shutdown, I didn't know anything about it. Until someone told me, did you know the government shut down? I think my grandmother's one that mentioned to me, well, how long do you think government shut down? I said, is it shut down? I didn't even know well, I thought 15 days, and my gosh, I'll tell you something right there. Maybe I'll leave it shut down. You know, I don't know. Apparently, we work just fine without them. You know what I'm saying? It's a thought. Apparently, it's been almost 30 days now. I don't know. When they feel bad for people that are working out getting paid stuff, they've been expending their paycheck, they should be able to fix that. But you don't know. And you think, really? I guess it, what's going on? But apparently, it's not as big. But yet, oh, it's 28. It's like the countdown to Armageddon. Somebody like, it's 31 days the government's been shut down. What will we do? I don't know about you. I'm going home to eat today. <laughs> Veggies. Some kind of soup and crackers probably or something right now while this fast is going. But when we're done with that, if it was next week, I'm going to have a hamburger while it's shut down. <laughs> Enjoy myself. I hope they'll get it figured out eventually. You know, they won't have a job next year if they don't. You know, but Or the next year after, whatever. But if our hearts are troubled, it tells us something. We're preoccupied with the wrong things. It's the wrong things in life. So this is what Proverbs 4.23 says. He says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. One translation says, guard your heart with all diligence. Protect your heart, for it directs the course of your life. Here's the interesting thing about this. This translation says it's the springs of life. Guard your heart with all diligence. Watch your heart for all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Whatever has your heart has the springs as well. Here's the unique thing about springs. I don't know if you know this about a spring, but springs cause growth. It doesn't matter what's around the spring. 
It can be weeds, clover, briars. It doesn't matter. Whatever is growing around a spring is not true. That bad boy is going to grow. Everything else can be dead in the middle of summer and just die off. If it's around a spring, it's going to grow. So watch this. That means you can have fear in your heart, and it's going to grow. Because whatever you allow in your heart, out of the heart, are flow the springs of life. You're causing it to give life. Worry in your heart. Guess what's going to happen? Because it's your heart. You're just giving it more life. And the more we think about it and talk about it, this is why we do freedom. If you go through freedom groups, this is why we do this. Because it teaches you, the process teaches you. It's not about the issue. It's not about the sin. It's not about the problem in your life. It's about the focus in your life. Because if you hold on to the worry, guess what's going to consume you? The worry. But you don't understand. I have, no, you don't understand. It's God first, everything else. Go worry after you put God first. And then see what happens. Worry will begin to diminish. Fear is no different. Anything that has your heart, the springs cause growth. So if we want to stop this, we've got to stop allowing it into the springs. It's what we allow to be troubled with. So since from our hearts flow the springs of life, we have to watch over them. And guarding our hearts really becomes this. It, it really does affect the holiness of our lives. Because God is wanting to set every one of us in this room apart for work, for use, for something, for relationship. He wants to set you apart. He wants to, he has already declared you holy, but he wants to set you apart in a way so you can be fit, the way the Bible declares it, for the master's use. How many know you can love Jesus all day long? You can pray all day long, but if your heart's filled with fear, is he going to be able to use you a whole lot? Probably not. You're going to be filled with anxiety. And he's saying, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. So I want to give you a couple indicators that will help with some of this, okay? This is what I use in my own life now. Uh, this could be, you could take this from some psychological studies, if you will, but God's Word starts off with everything. Everybody else builds off of that, okay? But this is all from God's Word today. But First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now make the God of peace, watch this, make you holy in every way. God wants to make you holy in every way. And here's how he wants to do this. May he make your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, if you will, or kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. He wants to make you holy in all these areas, spirit, soul, and body. And I'm going to throw the mind in there as well because Jesus said you ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's your body, your mind, your emotions, and your spirit, okay? So we're going to look at all four of these, right, in, from the Bible, okay? But... Put the word up here, holy, so you can see it. So let's put this on the screen for you. Single word, holy, the definition of holy. So this is how the, um, a little bit from New, uh, Vines Expository Dictionary. So you might check this out. You want to look up some words. It's good. To make holy is, is from Haggai's, is from the uh, Greek. It says, it signifies to set apart for God, to sanctify, to make a person or a thing. Watch this. The opposite of koinos, which is common, it's the word hallowed in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. Watch this. Hallowed be your holy. Isn't it true? There is no name above Jesus. It's set apart. God wants to do the same thing for you. And so he wants to do that in your heart in, in a way that de- declares who you really are and how to do that is to watch these indicators. So let me give you a couple of these, okay? So the first one is the area of temptation. All right? And this is not, we just talked, so don't get your head all into, oh my gosh, you can talk about sin. No, just listen. We get too worked up about, oh, I feel bad. Just stop. Just listen for a moment. The, the temptation, listen to what, the, sin seems more attractive 
than usual. It's an indicator. It doesn't mean you're an awful person. The Bible says this, there is no temptation which has taken you and is not common to people everywhere around you. There's temptation. Everyone is tempted. That's not sin. Everyone is tempted. Hey, look at me right now. I know you think the person beside you is never tempted. You're wrong. They're tempted right now to check out on listening right now to what I'm saying. They're tempted just to leave right now. There's all kinds of temptations that go through your life every single day. You know, you walk by your boss. He says something to you you don't like. You're tempted to what? See, I loved you last week, and I love you this week. It's Pastor Steve, in case you don't know, he works here at the church for right now. <laughs> My brother, Lord, I love him. But when sin seems more attractive than usual, it's an indicator. That means your flesh, your body is saying to you, I'm tired. If sin, like before, you know, you weren't thinking about anything in that area in years. And all of a sudden, why is that, why is that bothering me? Why is that bothering me? It's like gnats in your face. You know, why is this bothering me? It's because you're tired. Physically, you're weak. Your, your flesh is getting the upper hand. And so if you don't take a break, rest, this is why God is through the Sabbath. If you don't take some time, whether it's a Sabbath, get some sleep, I don't know. Whatever you got to do, man, you know, get some things in order there. Your body is going to get control. And pretty soon, the more it gets control, we know what happens when this is in control. Come on, somebody, right? We know when, you're the, when this is in control, it's not good. Things go downhill pretty quick, right? Luke 21, 34 says this from the message. It's a paraphrase. So listen to this. I know it's about the return of Christ. I'm taking some scripture right here. It's liberties. Just listen to the context of what he's saying in this verse. He says, be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties. Drinking, and I love this, shopping. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use this later on. Anyway, no, uh, I'm just playing. <clears throat> Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise and spring on you suddenly like a trap. Be on your guard. Doesn't mean you can't go with your friends and go to the birthday parties. No, it does not mean that. It just means that the culture in which Jesus was talking to you says, look, they disregarded what was going on around them so much so they were so preoccupied with the world around them, they forgot that one day he's coming back. That'll put some stuff in perspective real quick for you. One day, the guy that we were just singing about, Jesus, you know, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, one day he's going to split open the sky. It's going to part like the Red Sea. And when he comes through there, ain't no turning back, man. There's not, oh, could you wait a minute? There's none of that going to happen. He's going to come back one day. Absolutely. And you shouldn't be afraid of him. Bible's very clear about this. If you're saved, born-again believer, guess what? You're good to go. It's right now that stuff needs to change so you can enjoy this life. But he says, be on your guard because the flesh wants to get the upper hand. So if you feel temptation a little stronger than usual, it's an indicator your flesh is tired. It needs a break. And that's okay. Only in American culture, does we, we're the ones that say you've got to run 24-7. That's the dumbest philosophy we've ever created in, our, in the existence of man. Run, 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 fast as you can. You know, it sounds like the gingerbread man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's crazy. You take a break. You know, if you can't play golf, go do some tennis or something. I don't know. We do stuff around our house. Hey, we work on something. house. It sounds like, well, that in a break, for us it kind of is. We, we do crafts. We do painting. We do stuff like that. We just build something, you know? And whatever you want to do. But, man, go fishing. I don't know. Are they biting right now? Just do something. 
Take a break. If, you, if, you're, if you're being consumed with temptation, take a break. Here's the next one, is the temper. This would be the soul. This would be your emotions and your will. This is the psyche part of you, okay? I'm not talking about the mental, the intellect part. I'm talking about the, the psyche part. The part of you that is the emotional side of you. This is what the word temper, we think about, get all mad and crazy. But it's really your emotional life. Let me ask you a question. And everybody's got one, too. You may think the person you're married to doesn't have one. If they're the quiet one, you better really watch out. They're the most dangerous ones. People like me who just tell you what they think, and I apologize later. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. You forgive me? You don't worry about me. I'm not going to post on you, okay? It ain't, it's not me you got to worry. It's the quiet ones. Look around the room and identify. Quiet ones. They need to be able to express some things. Otherwise, one day they'll go off on you, man. And when they do, it's, it's over. Game is over. You know what I'm saying? Game's over. There's no turning back right there. Just, you let the monster out of the box. Just let it loose. Hide for a while, and then things will be okay. You know, you just got to, that's the truth. But emotions, let me ask you this. If your emotions are more outbursts than they are calculated, it's an indicator. Your soul, your emotional health is not in a good place. Like, you know, the other day I was driving down the road, and so I've seen this before numerous times, but a big truck forces a car over. I was coming back from Atlanta just because they can, right? And this little Toyota, the little ones, like the smallest one they make. I think Corolla, thank you. It got, it's no battle, right? Just pushes them right over. And the lady just gives them the universal sign that says, I am not happy with you right now. Now, all of us have had that happen to us, but if that makes you just jump out the window and want to have some road rage, that's a sign. You are overextended in the emotional health world. So you've got to get that back under control. Indicates running faster than your minds or emotions can pace. Let me throw you out this way. If you've not had any joy for the, here's good, if you have no joy all week, like you've not laughed at all except being in church when my goofy comments made you laugh, and that was all the laughter you've had all week, man, there's a problem. You need to go back and watch some Seinfeld or kick up some old stuff. I don't know, man, some Jeff Fox. I don't know what you need to find something. You might be a redneck, you know, whatever. I don't know. Find something to make you laugh. I don't hang out with me a minute. Maybe I can help you. I don't know. I'm not a funny person, but. Maybe I'll just make you funny faces at you and make you laugh. I don't know. But listen to what the Bible says. Why is it so important to him? I ate 10. It says, he continued. This is after the rebuilding of the wall, and they've been preaching the word. Okay? So listen. Nehemiah ate 10. It says, he continued, go home and prepare a feast. Everybody's all sad now because they took it the wrong way. They had built the wall. It should be an exciting time. But they heard the reading of the word, and they all got freaking out because, oh, no. The word is, wow, the powerful is checking my heart. It wasn't to push people down. It was like, hey, look, God's going to do something great. And so they got all sad. And so Nehemiah said, hey, hold on. Go home. Prepare a feast after the fast. Holiday food and drink. And share it with those who don't have anything. Watch this. This day is what? Holy. So people think holy things got to be all sacred and somber. Whatever. Like, you can have fun on a holy day. Sundays are actually supposed to be a fun day. Or Saturday. Whatever day is your day of rest, I guess. I don't know. You should have a good time. You should enjoy your life. He says, the, don't feel bad. The joy of the Lord, the joy of God is your what? Strength. You may not think this. You may not believe this. But humor, the Bible says, does just as good in your life as medicine. It's in, the, it's in Proverbs. Go and read it this week. 
It's not on your list. Go search it on Google. You'll find it. Medicine. The, a merry heart does good like a medicine. If you like King James, how about that? Uh, it does something for you. It makes you laugh. Your body chemically, your brain has to release certain things called endorphins. It's a funny name. <laughs> I know. But when you laugh, when you relax, it releases endorphins, which affect all the stress stuff in your life, like cortisol and adrenaline. You may think, like, dude, I thought I was listening to the Bible. Was this a science experiment today? No, just go, just go read about it. God knows more about your life than what the world does. You should have joy. Who cares if they shut down for five months? I'll bet you anything. You'll still drive your car. Oh, they'll get their tax money. Don't worry. They'll figure out to get that. You'll still live in your house. And you'll still eat. You'll still be going on, even if they're not. I can guarantee you that. And if it doesn't, whoop dee doo You might go play golf a little more. <laughs> I don't know. But why worry about things you have no control over? You really don't have any control over it. You know that, right? You can next year, maybe this fall, next year or something. I can't keep it. I don't even know. Yeah. Have another chance here soon. Right now, what are you going to do? Write a bunch of letters. You can do that if you want to. That might help. After that, you're right right now, like you are right now. You come back to church, I'm going to say, did you laugh any this week? No. You might all laugh. Okay. (laughs) If you can't laugh, just look at the person next to you. That might help. (laughs) This is number three. How about this in the area of training? This would be in the area of your mind, okay? The area of your mind. So everybody here, you're probably trained on your job, at least in some capacity. You do certain things, you're trained, you have a skill set. Hopefully, if you drove to the church this morning, you have some kind of training on how to drive. Like you actually know how to drive before you came to church today. So if you drove a car, that's a good thing. I get a little nervous sometimes when I see people on the road as if they don't know what they're doing. But nonetheless, we're all trained to do some things. Watch this. If you see yourself having consistent mistakes, you forget things, you don't know where you put stuff. Where I put, where I put my... Then I ain't talking about like, look, it's normal stuff like, look, we cut up with Halo all the time. My wife and Ron, they both, they're so funny, they still like us in ways. Like, she'll, she can't find her phone sometimes, the keys, whatever. That's normal. Like, that's been that way since I've known her. That ain't going to change, okay? That's a normal thing. She's doing other stuff. We cut up with her all the time. Sometimes I move them on purpose. I just... That's your phone. Let's <laughs> go through house. I'll put it over here somewhere. She goes, where's, where's my seat? She's she, my keys. No. This morning I started her car before I left. So I'd warm up and all that kind of thing. It was freezing outside. And I forgot to tell her. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. So I text her. Smiley face, emoji, praying, all that kind of thing. I started your car. Yeah, I finally figured it out. After I looked for my keys forever. That's what she said, forever. <laughs> so... Yeah, I might pay for that later. But anyway, they came to church warm. That might have smoothed things over. I don't know. But nonetheless, these things in reality, if it's not a normal thing for you, if all of a sudden you start forgetting stuff, you know, you might need some vitamins maybe, but more than likely, your mind is over, over, overcooked. You know what I'm saying? Mentally, I mean, you are wiped out. You're taxed out. You need to decompress somehow, you know? And so listen to Proverbs says. It's all indicators, by the way, of overcommitments, of lack of Sabbath, of lack of rest, whatever you want to call it, but your mind really needs, needs to stop. Proverbs 19.2, the message says it like this. 
Ignorant zeal is worthless. You can be fired up all you want to, but you got no knowledge. It means nothing. Absolutely means nothing. Watch this. Haste makes waste. See, people say this all the time. Like, oh, that's a, that's a saying, isn't it? Yeah, come out of the Bible. Most everything does come out of the Bible. Haste makes waste. Proverbs 21.5 says like this. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. The faster you go, in reality, the less you will produce. It's the truth. Stephen Covey has a book. You, you might read some of his books about different things, but he talks about this in one of his books. He says this. You know what? The wise person will stop to sharpen their axe. The foolish person will continue cutting down trees. Keep going and keep going, keep going. While the other person stops and sharpens their axe, you know what happens? Their axe gets dull. They cannot complete their tasks. It gets harder and harder. While the person who sharpened their axe looks like they're they're not going to make the, the quota, they actually get more done by stopping. It's true. In Exodus, if you're reading that right now, go, read again about what God declared about the Sabbath. Even in Exodus, before you read anything else further, and get into the law and everything else, read what God first initiated with the Sabbath. He told the people of Israel, I did this for you. I did it for you. Not for me. I did it for you. This is why, <clears throat> this is why it's good, I think, for all of us reading the Bible right now together. It makes you stop. You know, for me, I, I'm a very driven personality, you know. And so for me, I'm like this in my mind all the time. To have to stop and systematically read through the Bible like I'm doing, it forces me to put everything else on hold. Because I can't read and listen to what I'm reading if i got everything else in my mind. It takes a couple of chapters. I have to go back and read one over again. Because I'm reading and I'm like, I don't even know what I just read. My mind's on other things. So go back and read it again. But if your mind, it's indicator, it's taxed. Gotta just stop. Just unplug from, from work, whatever is going on. And here's the last one I want to share with you, okay? This is your spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. When we say things like this, I can't hear God. Number one indicator the in here. Spiritually, you're depleted. There are seasons of silence. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've had them, and I don't like them. I've tried to negotiate with God about that. I've tried to read the Bible and say, look, it's not fair, Lord. You don't understand my situation. I'm going through this. Could you please speak? I mean, I remember there have been seasons where, I mean, the elders were waiting on me. What's God's? I, I got nothing. Are you the, ain't you supposed to hear from God? Yeah, yeah but it ain't working. Like, you know, you do everything at that point. You know, you fast, you pray. You do, once you've done all the things, you know, you go, you realize, okay, this is just one of those seasons. They don't last forever, by the way. They may last a few months. They may last six months. They may last up. I, I've never had them go longer than a year. You stick to the Word. Keep reading God's Word. Keep praying do what you know to do. But those come and go. But when we say things like, I can't hear from God on anything, and I haven't heard from God in years, it's an indicator right here. Spiritually, we're depleted. It indicates a hectic life. It's too out of control, maybe. <clears throat> Let me say why I say that. Because the Scriptures declare this, in the world there are many voices, and none are without significance. Many times God is speaking, but when we're competing with His voice and the rest of the world, it's hard to hear Him. Because He's so quiet. He's not loud like everybody makes Him out to be. He's really not. Now, will He be? Oh, yeah. Can he be? Oh, for sure. 
But when he's talking to you, he's not this Charlton Heston voice that's coming out from the clouds saying, Hey, you, get your stuff together. You know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't sound like he talks to me. Hey, son, how are you? Um, is that you, Lord? Yeah. Sounds so much like you kind of when am I talking to myself when I'm talking to God. So just kind of go with it. Test what you hear now with the Word. But you know what? He's speaking more than we actually know. Because the world is speaking so loud that we don't hear it. This is why scriptures say this, and I'll close with these last scriptures. I'm going to give to you my three different translations. Or one's a paraphrase, but three different translations. Psalms 46.10, this is one we all quote so much. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. So many times we think, well, stop moving, I guess. you know. But listen to this. New American says it like this. I love this. Cease striving. Cease striving. And know that I am God. This is what Jesus said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. Cease striving. Man, that's so hard to do, right? If we're honest, I mean, that's hard to do. Because we have responsibilities, we have things to do, we want to achieve, we want to do this, we got to do this, we got jobs, careers, responsibilities, we got kids, everything, whatever. That's hard to say, cease striving. It's easier to say, like, man, you know what? If you have no responsibilities, those people are the ones that don't strive, right? I mean, no wonder they talk about cease striving. I mean, they got nothing to do, you know? You know what I'm talking about? People are like, do 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 They got nothing to do, kind of personality, right? I can't fit in that box at all. I got too much going in my head, my mind, I want to do this and do that. To cease from me. It's like unplugging everything. Like shutting breakers down, man. Now what am I going to do? But it makes me become aware of him, right? Listen to this from the message, okay? Same, same verse. This is what it says. Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me. Your high God. Watch this. Above what? Oh, my goodness. Imagine that. Above everything. Step out of the traffic. Well, you know what happens when you step out of the traffic? You get to be those people on the TV that goes like, well, we today in traffic, we've seen three crashes. Uh, one guy got chased down with a motorcycle. Um, this guy right here decided he's going to get on a boat and run down the highway today. We don't know what's going on with that guy. Look at that. What is going on with him, John? I don't know. Oh, Sandy, report what's going on down there. She's telling us the same story. You get to see things from a different view. When you're in the traffic, this is what you're like. <laughs> <laughs> Put a blinker on like you're going to force your way over, you know. It takes three seconds to get over just to wait again. <clears throat> you know, that's what you do in traffic for hours. To step out means to observe the chaos around you from a different perspective. It goes like, good gracious, is that what I want? Is this what I want to do in my life? you got to get in the traffic, but sometimes he says step out to remind us of who's really in control here. He's above everything. And the question is this, if he's above everything, he declares he's above everything. I want to ask you a question this morning. If he is above everything, then is he really above us? I don't mean his position. Of course, positionally speaking, he is over you. Absolutely. God's over all. The question is, though, from a permissive state, are we permitting him to be over us? I'm not picking at you right now. I'm a pastor. I have to ask myself the very same question. Am I allowing God to be Lord of my life in every area? Or am I still wanting to have control of this or that? I'll give him this, but not this. 
he might mess that up. I don't know why, you know, we said, what do we think? God's going to mess it up. I guess I'll hold on to that. He fixes your life, redeems us, gives you salvation. But no, I'm not going to give him this. He might jack that all to pieces. You know, I've seen some stuff he does in the Bible. I don't know why we think the way we do, but that's what we think, I guess. Is he really over us and everything? So that's the challenge this morning right now. Any of those indicators resonate with any of you in the room right now? I would say the Holy Spirit wants to speak with you and make a change today. So why don't you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment, right where you are. And I'm going to pray for you right now, specifically in these areas. You know, your mind, maybe your emotional health. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. You know, maybe it's physically, man. Right now, maybe you just need, you need a break physically. You say, well, I can't, Pastor Joe. You just don't understand. Hey, listen, God never said anything about why we can and why we can't. He just said stop. Our responsibility is to figure out how to stop. Sometimes it's like the tithe. You know, people ask the same question about that. Well, how do you do it when you can't? I, sometimes you just got to step out of faith and trust God in the whole process. You're not always going to have to answer before you step out. If your job has gotten to the point it's racking your brain, man, you've got to let that thing go. Trust God. He'll work it out. He'll work it out. Right where you are, I want you to think about this as we pray. Is God really over me in all these areas? Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We thank you for today. And I thank you for your presence right now in this room. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as we come before you, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, those in this room right now that need to change a pace of life in their, in their, their, their physical life, maybe it's in their body, they're distressed, they're, they're tired, the temptation is upon them. They don't understand why. It's physically they're tired. I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak and make that shift today in their life. I pray for those right now that are mentally exhausted or they are depleted with their intellect because they're so busy with a job or so busy with circumstances around them. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would refresh their minds today. God, give them strength in their minds again today. Give them clarity of thinking again today. In the name of Jesus. I pray for those right now in their soul, their emotional life right now, that God, their tempers, Lord, their things are out of control. They can't seem to get ahead. They feel filled with anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would restore emotional health to them. God, give them a great, clear baseline today that they would give the calmness in their hearts, a peace that passes all understanding right now. And Lord, for those right now that are spiritually depleted, Lord, that they're at the end of their rope spiritually. They need to hear from you, but they can. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd strengthen their hearts by your spirit in the inner man, God. That you would strengthen their hearts today. They can hear from you again. As you speak so clearly, but so many times so And I pray today for those that are here that may not know you. Maybe they're not in relationship with you. Maybe they're here today and they just got no fellowship with you. Maybe they just have no closeness with you. In Jesus' name, I pray for them. They make a decision for you right now. With your eyes closed, no one's looking around right now. We're going to pray a prayer. We'll all pray this together while your hearts are tuned into God right now, right where you are. You don't know Jesus, or you say, man, Pastor Jody, I'm not sure I know Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with every person in this room right now. We're going to pray together. Repeat this after me and say, dear Jesus, I come before you and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you to save me, to redeem me, to set me apart for you. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen.
Whenever you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Come on, get a hand you. So very proud of you. Here's what I want you to do. In the seat back in front of you, there's a little card. Simply says, hey, today I pray to receive Christ. Or today I pray to renew my faith in Christ. Today, man, I need some prayer over this area of my life. You need prayer requests? Fill that thing out and let us know what you need prayer for. We'll have time to pray in the church in just a moment. But if, if you need specific, and you want the team to pray for you, we have a prayer team that would love to pray for your family. Write that down and let us know. We'll tell you what to do with it here in just a moment. Everybody else, let's all stand together right now. Come on, as we go before God and worship, man, let's sing again about how God, now we're going to build our lives in love, right? In Jesus' name.